Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ or just beginning to explore who Jesus is, we invite you to join us as we dive deep into God's Word and what He has to teach us today. So listen in as we jump into what God has in store. All right. Well, good morning again. Thanks for being here. And uh, this morning we're going to continue in our series called Heaven, which we're talking about heaven. Go figure. I guess that's a good way to uh, make sure you're sticking to what you're talking, what you uh, what you title the thing. As you, anyway, I'm sorry. That was not. I don't know what I'm talking about there. Uh, so we're we four weeks on the subject of heaven, where uh, our first week was really kind of what is heaven, uh, and 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 we talked about just kind of what what heaven is, and and that it's a real place. Pastor Jeff. Uh, on, a, on a regular basis, the first kind of the first sermon, ser- first sermon of a series, we hear from our senior pastor at the Franklin campus, kind of our central campus, and so everybody kind of hears the same thing. And so that one's online from from Franklin. You can hear uh, Pastor Jeff kind of lay out where we're going over uh, over the next four weeks. Last week was the second week, and we've talked about how do I get to heaven. Uh, and it was a very clear, uh, the only way to get to heaven is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's the relationship that we long for. And it was kind of a call to response. And maybe, maybe last week you were here and you're kind of still having that, that question of, am I ready? Do I know Jesus? Uh, we're excited that you would continue to have that question. And uh, we would love to have a conversation with you if, the, if that's where you are. Uh, next week, our final week is, uh, when will heaven come? Uh, and so I, I'm going to tell you the date and the time. That's a joke. Thank you for laughing. I appreciate it. I didn't know if that was going to go over. Uh, so, uh, so you look forward to next week because uh, it, it, it kind of wraps us up, but it talks about when, when heaven will come and what we know from Scripture uh, that, that Scripture kind of tells us. This week, uh, we're taught, the question is, what will we do in heaven or what will heaven be like? What will we do in heaven? And, and this is a big one. Honestly, I'd, I'd say that in, in the I don't know how many years I've been uh, preaching and pastoring uh, it, it, in a long time. I would say that this week is probably up there in the amount of research and reading that I've done for any particular sermon. And I'm not going to say that's going to that's gonna flesh itself out and it's going to be the best sermon. It may be a, a whole disaster. Um, but I, I just in looking at Scripture and digging in to find out what does Scripture tell us about what heaven will be like. And what we will do in heaven. And so I'm excited about it. There's a lot that's here. Uh, actually way too much that's here. And so I'll go ahead and tell you that, that um, we're, if, if there's things that, that we work through, I know that it's going to scratch, the, we're going to scratch the surface of the questions that I already know that many of you have. And we're only going to kind of raise more questions. And so at, at the end of this one, uh, I, I'd love for you to email me. I'll send you my sermon script. You can have this sermon script, that kind of my manuscript that I've worked through. Uh, and I'll send you other resources that I've worked through. I, I'll tell you this, that one of the books and the main kind of things that I've been reading and studying is this book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Um, I, I, I've read most of this so far. And um, an, an incredible, incredible book, incredible resource 
on heaven. Uh, and I trust Randy and also trust the people who trust Randy. And so uh, I don't know him personally. I don't know why I'm calling him Randy like he's my best friend. Um, but if there's a book that you, if you want to start somewhere, kind of to help you understand and kind of navigate what Scripture tells us, this would be a great resource for you uh, to, to kind of look at. And honestly, I don't recommend searching heaven on the Internet uh, because there's lots of people who have lots of opinions on it. And I can't tell you that I trust all of those. And so uh, that's why I would, I would recommend Randy and then some of the resources maybe that he uses. And there's a handful of others. So email me if you have questions. Uh, I'd love to send you resources. And I'm trying to put together kind of a packet uh, that I can kind of send and, and, and give uh, to anybody that has questions. So again, there's a lot. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and jump in. Uh, if you're following along in your worship guide, the first kind of line there says this. And just kind of fill in these couple of blanks. It says, we cannot know fully what heaven is like, but what we can know is sufficient and important for here and now. So there's two, twofold for this. There, we cannot know fully. Scripture is very clear as you kind of search through Scripture. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts, this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, declares the Lord. And he says, Higher than the heavens are my ways. So listen, Scripture is very clear that, that we can't understand all of these things. In, in 1 Corinthians, however, it is written, no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no human mind can conceive. I mean, we can't even fathom it, right? What the things that God has prepared for those who love him. John chapter 16, Jesus says to his disciples, there's so much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Meaning he understands the limitations of not only the speech that he has, but their minds to comprehend it and their ability to bear it, even if he could explain it to them with the language that he had. And so there's obvious, there's things that we're not going to get, that we can't know fully, but Scripture does give us, right? But what we can know is sufficient and important for here and now. And even as I kind of wrote this, kind of went back to, to, to look at this past, kind of cleaning some things up, I, I, I wish that I wouldn't have used the word sufficient, but because I kind of think that that downplays it a little bit. It's not like, ah, oh, it's what we got, you know? It, 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 is, it is everything that we need to know. It, literally, Scripture contains all the words from God that we need in order to know him, to trust him fully, to obey him perfectly, and then to enjoy him abundantly. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, he says that God has given us everything that we need to live a godly life through the, the Scriptures that are available to us. And so it's not just that it's sufficient. I mean, that, that's the word that's there. But it, it's, it's everything that we need to know about who God is and all that he desires for us to know so that we can live the life that he's called us to live. And so as we kind of work through this, one of those places that God really does pull back the curtain, and it's what the word revelation kind of means is to pull back to cur the curtain, to expose or to reveal. Revelation is written by John, one of Jesus' disciples. And throughout Revelation, he gives us these pictures of what heaven is like. And again, we talked about this in the first week. Pastor Jeff said this, that, that John is writing to a Jewish audience that is very, very, they're concrete in their thoughts and the things that they say. And so this, these mysteries that he's exposing, the things that he's saying, they may be too big for us to understand, but he's not, he's not it's not all illustration and allegory. Like this is, he's trying to tell us what it is like based on what he sees as the angel shows these things to him. In, in chapter 22 of Revelation, 
verses one through five, it says, then the angel showed me a river of water, the river of water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. It flows from the throne, right? That's where he tells me that the, this river flows from the throne down the middle of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the lamb will be in the city. He'll be in the city with them and the servants will serve him and they will see his face and his name will be on their forehead. Verse five, and there will be no more night and they will not need light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have in your word given us everything that we need, that your, your word contains all that we need to know about who you are so that we can know you, so that we can walk with you in obedience, so that we can enjoy you as you desire us to enjoy you. And as we, have, as we work on this and tackle the subject of heaven so that our eyes can be fixed on you and, and fixed on heavenly things, as your word declares and, and invites us to, to turn our eyes, not to the mortal, not to the fixed, but to those things that are, that are forever. We thank you that you've given us everything that we need in your word. And I pray that you would open our hearts this morning, that you would awaken us, that you would ignite in us as we open, in your, open your word, a longing to trust you more, to see you more clearly, to love you more deeply, to follow you no matter what the cost. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. So we can't know fully, but what we do know, what scripture does tell us is sufficient and important. And there's four things that we're gonna work through this morning. And you can see there's lots of notes. This is a lot more than the notes that I normally give. And so as you're following along, we're gonna make sure we give you as much time. But there's four things that scripture tells us about heaven and kind of work through these. And we're gonna do, I'm gonna do the best that I can. Honestly, I'll tell you that like there's more here than we actually have time for. So we're gonna get as far as we can. Uh, and, and then, you know, I'll give, again, I'll send this to you if you want it. We'll fill in all the blanks, but we're not going to be able to cover everything that's on that list that's on your, on your document or that the worship guide that you've got there. We're just going to do as much as we can. So, and, and it, we said, first thing that scripture tells us, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago and, and then really covered it last week, is that, that it's a prepared place for prepared people. What is heaven like? It's a prepared place for prepared people. If you go back to the passage, he says that his servants, John's telling his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Verse five, it says, the Lord will be with them and they will reign with him forever. The, the, the reality is that it's a prepared place, a place that Jesus prepared. He told his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And where I go, I'm gonna come back to bring you with me. It's a place that God has prepared for his people, those who are prepared, those who have trusted Christ for salvation, put their faith in him and have, have, have repented of their sins and put their faith in Jesus and are walking with him. That's this a place that we, that, that those of us who are followers of Christ will spend eternity, a prepared place for prepared people. I love that in this, in this passage in, in John chapter 14, as he's telling the disciples there, just hours before he is going to be crucified on the cross, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And he tells them, 
he's going, but when he goes, he's going to go prepare a place, and he's going to come back and get him. And I don't know, maybe this, this morning, your hearts are troubled, and what, what beautiful words to the Lord that, that he says, hey, listen, this is not it. I'm, you're going to see some things in the next little while that are going to blow your mind to his disciples. Listen, it's not going to get any better from this moment. Things are going to get way worse over the next couple of hours, and then you're going to experience lots of crazy things, but don't let your heart be troubled. Maybe you and I need to hear that word this morning. Don't let your heart be troubled. We're in an election year. You're going to see more things than you ne- ever wanted to see, right? Funny, ha, 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 maybe, I don't know. Some of the things that you've walked through in your life, you're going to see, you're going to work through some crazy things. But Jesus, hours before he goes to the cross, says to his disciples and he says to us, don't let your heart be troubled. There's a prepared place for prepared people. Second thing that scripture tells us about heaven is that there's a distinction between the present heaven and the new heaven and the new earth. There's a distinction between the present heaven and the new heaven and the new earth. I'll be honest with you, this is a piece of this conversation that I, 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 even this morning, I was like, nah, I'm dropping it. I'm not talking about it. Because this is one of those parts of scripture that like even in the conversations that I've had in the past week, it's like, what, where's that? I don't know. I didn't know that was in there. What do, what do you mean? That's, so so I'm, I'm going to do my best to kind of quickly give you a snapshot. But this is another spot where if you have questions, and I'm sure you're going to have questions, email me. I, I'd love for you to, to email me so I can share some resources where you can learn more about what scripture tells us. Because there is a distinction in scripture between the present heaven and the, and, the, and the new heaven and the earth, new earth. And so let me, let me see if we can wrap our minds around it just real quick. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, it says this, Brothers and sisters, Paul's writing, We don't want you to be uninformed about those who fell asleep in death, so that you, don't grieve, so that you do not grieve like, those, like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And so he's talking about people who have fallen asleep, right? The word falling asleep there is more talking about, hey, like they've died and, and they're no longer present physically in this earth, right? And so this is, they've died. And then you skip to verse, thir- verse 15. It says, according to the Lord, Lord's word, so according to God's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the, until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven in a loud command with a voice of the archangels and will trumpet's call of God and the dead in Christ will rise. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Here's what I'm trying to say. And I'm I hope that we can wrap our minds around this. Most of the time when we talk about heaven, especially in this, in, in this series and, and when we have conversations about heaven, what we're talking about is heaven in the new heaven and the new earth, right? The time after Jesus comes back, when he says, I'm coming back to take you to that place with me, right? And that place is the, in, in Revelation, the city that comes down, the, the new Jerusalem that comes down, that he's restoring all things, Right? There's a new heaven and a new earth that he restores that we will be with him forever. So the question that happens a lot of times when we say, so when I die, do I go to heaven? Yes. The answer to that is yes. But that is not the place that you will spend eternity. Now, hold on. You're like, wait a minute. When my grandfather died, where did he go? He went to heaven. He went to be with God. 
He's absent from the flesh. He's present with God. That's what Paul says. And that place is far better than this place where we do not, where we experience the curse of sin and the brokenness that's around us. But that place is not where we will be forever. Let me try to, this is not a part of it, but I, I, got, I feel like we've got to make sure. Let's pretend just for a second that you live in some, some place that's not awesome, right? Like Louisiana. I'm from there, so I can say that, right? I'm from there, so I can say that. So you live in some swamps of Louisiana, and somebody gives you, like somebody offers you a place, a mansion, a beautiful house on the coast, let's say in California. Now, not, let, let's say minus the politics or whatever. So go, I, I shouldn't have said that. Minus all the things that, for reasons why people left. I don't know. Anyway, they give you this place. You're going to take a flight and you're going to go from Louisiana, but there's no direct flights to California from Louisiana. None, not at all. You're going to have to go through Dallas. You're going to go to Dallas and you're going to stop in Dallas and maybe you have a layover for a second. And then you're going to go from Dallas and you're going to go from Dallas to to your new house in California. Right? And this is, you're going to get to these places. Now, when you go to the, the, when you check in at the airport in Louisiana, you're going to say, they're going to say, where are you going? You're not going to say Dallas. Right? Because that's not your destination. That's not your final destination. Are you going to stop there? Yes. But is that your final destination? No. You have a home now, and it's in California. You stay in Dallas for just a moment, and it's just a moment. And then you're going to go to your next place, the place that's prepared for you. So when you, when, even when you get to Dallas, you're not saying, all right, I'm going to stop here. This is great. No, there's a place that you're going. And it may, it, it, for you in that moment in Dallas, it may seem like forever because Dallas is crazy or whatever. But, but, but in reality, in Scripture, when it says that we go to be with him in this, this moment, this present heaven. And listen, I know maybe you have a Catholic background or maybe, you've, maybe you know some Catholic doctrine. We're not talking about uh, what, what is purgatory. That's a, that's a state of just kind of figuring things out. Right? We're talking about being with Christ completely free of sin for that moment until he comes back to bring all those who are dead in Christ and all those who are still alive to be with him forever in the new heaven and the new earth. Where you are, where your grandparents are, where your your parents are, if they've trusted Christ, they are with all the others that are the great cloud of witnesses that surround us. But they are not where they will forever be. That place is the new heaven and the new earth when Christ comes back to restore all things. And that place is perfect. There's a resurrected body and all the things that, he, that we have because of that relationship with him. Now, I'm going to have to move on because that was way more than, than, I'm, than I meant to, to say on that. But it, we, we, I think that it's important for us to understand those things. And, and I, when it, it's not a question of are you going to heaven? Or like You're going to heaven when you die if you trusted Christ for salvation and you're with Christ and then eventually he'll bring us to this place that he's prepared for us. Again, I'm I'm putting this up here. So I want you to to write this down. If you have questions, email me. I I hope I'll try to get my, get back to you this week uh, and send you anything that I have. Again, I'll share this whole uh, document with you so that you can read through what I've written here uh, and, and all the resources that are, that are linked there. They're, they're yours. So uh, number three, there's an absence, there's a clear absence of the painful results of sin's curse. There's a clear absence of the painful results of sin's curse. Have you ever walked into a place 
And when you like, when, as soon as you walk into, you feel like something's missing. Like for Rebecca and I, if we have one of those times where all of our kids are gone from the house, and, and, and as I get older, I thought that would be the most awesome thing in the world. I don't think it's going to be the most awesome thing in the world. But there's something that happens in that moment. It's not just the kids are gone. What's truly, what's the feeling that I get is that there's the absence, and most parents will know what I'm talking about, of noise. And that is awesome. But when we talk about heaven, what, one of the ways that it tells us so that we can kind of wrap our minds around it is it kind of tells us not only what will be present, we'll talk about that in a second, but what's absent there to help us kind of understand, to help us maybe wrap our minds around what heaven will be like. It, it, it kind of tells us in, in throughout Scripture what, what's not there. And some of the things that it tells us, if you want to write these things down, because I, I want us to hold on to these things and this week meditate and think about these things because it tells us that there's clearly and noticeably absent in heaven. There's no corruption. There's no fading. There's no devil, which means there's no evil. There's no sin, no sorrow, no tears, no sickness, no death. J.C. Ryle, again, one of my favorite pastors that I get to read in preparation, he says this, and it's kind of a, uh, I, I did a little bit to it, and what his was awesome, I just messed with it a little bit. It says, that there, there is noticeably the eternal absence of everything that can cause sorrow. There's no sickness, no pain, no disease, death, or poverty. There's no ignorance, no misunderstanding, no slander, no lying, no strife, no contention, no quarrels. There's no envy, jealousy, bad tempers, infidelity, skepticism, favoritism, or wickedness. There's no superstition, heresy, deception, division, wars, fighting, bloodshed, or murder. I would add this, that there's no anxiety or worry or depression or loneliness or feeling like you just don't fit in or fear. All of these things are noticeably and clearly absent in heaven. They just have no place there. There's things that are noticeably and clearly absent. The, the, the effects, the, the, the painful effects or results of the curse of sin that happened when Adam and Eve took that fruit and rebelled against God and his perfect plan, those things that have spread to every corner and every place and every atom of our existence, those things are absent. And one, honestly, the thing that, that most, as I think about this, as I meditate on it, our lives are so in, in swallowed up where every, truly every atom, every, every molecule has been, has been infected by sin and by sorrow and by death and the brokenness that we see in the world that's around us and how deeply the, the effects of sin permeates every aspect of our lives, it's hard for us to understand what it will be like when the absence of those things is clear. And so honestly, one if you just spent some time just meditating on this, it will blow your mind 
to think that all of those things that you wrestle with, maybe that you take medication for, that cause depression and anxiety and fear, when you walk into a room and you're, you're, you're nervous about, the, about being with people that maybe you don't know, all of that is gone. Noticeably absent. The fourth thing, the fourth thing, it's not just things that are absent. There's also things to celebrate that are present. There's things to celebrate that are present. We celebrate the presence of the pleasant results of God's restoration. And we've got a list of these things. And again, we're just going to work through these uh, as, as much as we can. I, I don't know that we'll get through all of them, but I'm going to do my best. The first one is this. The first thing that's present in heaven, what will heaven be like? It will be an experience of joy. What heaven is like, it's, it, it, it's, there's meaningful lasting, intense joy, an abiding, real joy. It's what will mark our time in heaven. The reality is most of us don't associate, honestly, not only some of you grew up where you didn't associate joy with church, you don't associate joy with heaven. Right? Maybe there's people that you, that you know in life, that, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Maybe, maybe just in general, there, there's this, this idea of joy, maybe because what you've learned about heaven, it, you learned in Looney Tunes, right? Or from some cartoon where it's strumming a harp on a cloud, and what you associate with heaven is boring. And honestly, true, that sounds miserable. If floating on a cloud by myself, plucking a harp is heaven, I, I don't want it. But that's not the picture of heaven. And it's honestly that, that, that image, that reality that some of us get of heaven is, is, is terrible. And it's, it's one of the ways, it's the consistent ways that the enemy is, is the strategy of Satan to, to just kind of plant this seed to, to blaspheme God in his name and his place, as it says in Revelation 13, is to plant this seed to convince you. He doesn't have to convince you that there's not heaven. He can just convince you with this small seed of a lie that the heaven that God has promised is not a place that you want to go. And so why would we put our thoughts on heaven? Why would we spend our time wanting to go there? Why would there be any urgency if, if what we experience and what we know about heaven is this boring idea? There's nothing to anticipate if that's what we think about. But how could it be boring? Psalm 16, one of my favorite passages of scripture, the ESV says it this, that you make known to me the path of life. David says, in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. Now, if you just let your mind, if you use your imagination just a little bit, that doesn't sound boring. If you just kind of think about like, how could it be boring? If you just look around everywhere, we have this, we have all of creation that testifies of God's creativity and his joyfulness and his glory and all the things that, I mean, we're talking about the God who created us to have taste buds so that we can enjoy things. The, the fact that you enjoy whatever it is that's your favorite food, right? That's God's gift to us. And it's just a minor shadow of the enjoyment that we get to have when we get to be with him forever. He created our minds to be able to, to see these beautiful things. And they're a mere shadow when it pulls back the curtain to see all of it the way that it was created to be before the fall. 
We have adrenaline. That all of all of these things that our brains can comprehend now are but a mere shadow of the joy that awaits us for eternity in a place that he's created for us, that we were created for. Nothing about that sounds boring if we just let our, just understand. The second thing that's there for us is that it'll be what's, what marks our time in heaven, what heaven will be like. It's a place of knowledge. It's a place of knowledge. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we'll have it on the screen. It says this, that I think we'll have it on the screen. I'm not sure, I can't remember. It says, for, for now we see a reflection as in a mirror. Then we'll see it face to face. Now we see in part, but then we will see fully. We will know fully as we are fully known. The passage teaches that, that when, we see, when we get to heaven, we'll see things more clearly. And, and, and I think there's an association sometimes that we think heaven will know everything. Well, I, that, I don't think that that's true because God's the only one who knows everything, right? We're not going to become God. He's the only one who's omniscient and omnipresent and all those things. But, but we do get to know things. Increasingly, we get to know more and more about him. We get to see, we get to be, as we are known, we get to know him more accurately is really what this passage is telling us. If we understood it correctly, more, the, what it's saying fully, it would be understand more extensively. We'll understand more extensively and accurately, but not comprehensively. But we'll get to spend eternity getting to know the infinite glory of God, the unsearchable riches of who he is. He, the, his, his love, his, his glory, his majesty knows no ends, which means for eternity, we get to grow in our knowledge of him. We get to grow in our understanding of who he is and all that he's done. And all of those things, those things that we see in a mirror dimly, now we get to pull back the curtain and we see them more and more clearly. Telling somebody this morning that, that you know, if, if I just looked outside my window at my house at the street, I would think that everything was ice covered and there was no way I could get anywhere to get, get out of town, to get, to get here this morning. But just, a little, just, just down the road, the streets are clear. But if all I have is the perspective of my own home and the window that I have right there, I would think there's no way I'm going anywhere. But I see in a mirror dimly, then I will see all of these things clearly. When you get to pull back and see, oh God, you, this is how this connects. And I didn't even know that those things work together, right? Maybe you're not surprised by this, but I didn't do very well in school. When it gets to things, I, I didn't even take physics. They were like, nah, you're good. You don't need to take that. <laughs> like, no reason for you to go to that class and prove that you're dumber than we think you are. But I can't wait. To be able to see the things, that, like those things that those real smart people understand, be like, oh, to get it. To be able to increasingly, because listen, all truth is God's truth. So yes, will we study physics in heaven? Sure. It's his. He created it. And Einstein only knows a little bit of what it's like. Elon will be blown away. I hope, that, I, I hope he trusts Christ so he can be like, oh, I'm not nearly as smart as I thought I was. It'll be a place of knowledge. Oh, man, we got to move. It'll be a place of holiness. 
what will mark our time in heaven is that we will be holy. Listen, the work that Christ began when we trusted him, for, when, we, when we repent of our sins and we put our faith in him, the work that he began when, in that moment, he, he justified us. And what that means is that no longer does God see us through our sin. He doesn't see us in our sin. He sees us in Christ. And so he doesn't see us as sinners anymore. That's when, what we say is that when we are saints, we, we're called children of God or saints because he's changed us. Right? We are now, because of Christ, we have a new, new, we're new creations and, and we, are, we are holy in God's sight. But what we are, who we are, we are not yet fully. Right? And so you trust Christ for salvation. The big word is that he justified you, meaning he declares you right. He declares you holy. He declares you acceptable, which you weren't. He puts his holiness on top of you. Now, since then, what he's been doing is the work of sanctification. And that's by his spirit and by his word, he's working in you to make you more and more like him, more and more holy. Right? But, but that work is not going to be finished on earth. We are stubborn in our sinfulness. We're stubborn and we, we desire those things that, that God said are not good for us. And so we keep running back to those things and we, we confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and, 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 and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But the reality is on this side of heaven, we will not fully be what he's declared that we are when we trusted him and what he's working in us to make us right now. But the moment that you close your eyes in death, or if he comes back before then, that he calls you home, all those shackles of sin, the chains of sin that we carry around, that keep us bound to these things, although we've been freed from that sin that we carry around, those chains are gone. And we will be what he has declared us to be from the moment that, he trust, that we trusted for him for salvation that he declared us righteous and holy. And we will forever live holy the way he desired for us to live, the way that he created us to live. And in holy, that means the relationship that, that, that we were created for will be restored. And so you and I, and like, listen, the only reason that sounds boring is because we've, again, we've disassociated. We, we think holiness as those people who are real boring. But listen, we're talking, that, that's a lie of the enemy. Holiness is the way that you were created to be. It's the engine running the way it's supposed to run. It's life the way that it was created to be. It's life that is true life. Holiness. This sin is not the joy. When we talk about sin and, and people say, oh, I want to party in, in hell. It'll be way better than heaven. No, that's a corruption of the way that God designed it. And so what you think is great is truly, it's miserable compared to what God has desired for you. We live holy lives. We live holy lives. It will, be a mark, it will be a marker in heaven. The next one is that it will be a, a place of rest. Life in heaven will be marked by rest. I'm not talking about an eternal nap. What I'm talking about is the peace that comes and not striving any longer. The peace that comes when our burdens are set free. What Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary laden, and I will give you rest. Rest from that toil and that strife and that struggle the battle that we fight, the worries that plague us that we can't seem to escape in heaven will experience that soul-quieting peace, the rest of being home, truly home. 
It would be a place of service. That rest is not, the rest that we've been given is not laziness. It's, it's peace because also what it tells us in scripture that it'll be a place of service. I know that some of you have experienced that where you've served in some capacity with others and, and you've experienced the joy of those play when, when you've served. What, what, what we get to see in heaven is that, that serving him brings us that joy. It brings us that, that, that long, that it satisfies that longing that maybe our hearts have, have wanted. In heaven, it's marked by serving. In Revelation, we go back to this passage. It says, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God will be with him and the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. One pastor, pastor and, and professor, uh, seminary professor says this, could it be that I finally get to serve and have that, could it be that when I finally get, sorry, begin serving in heaven, that I will find that this is what I was truly created for. I may find that I was created, I may find that I was not created for what I accomplished here on earth, but for the role that I will fulfill in heaven. That God creates each of us for eternity. And we may be surprised to find that our true calling, which always seems to be just out of reach, can only be found in the place that he's prepared for us as people that he's prepared. At those moments when you're like, man, this is great. It's just a, a taste of what you get to experience for all of life, for all of eternity to serve him as you were created to serve him. That whole, you, you'll find something that you'd love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. Heaven. Something that you love to do. And you'll never, never experience that burden of waking or going, resting on Saturday and Sunday and being like, oh, I've got to go back to work on Monday. No, you'll have that rest and you'll long to be able to use the gifts and the talents that he created you to use in the place that he created you to use them. It'll be a place of service. But hey, listen, you don't have to wait for that. There's plenty of opportunities for you to serve here. And after, you, after this is over, I've got some places that I need you to serve with kids ministry. And uh, we'll figure out if that's what you're going to do for the rest of the No, I'm sorry. I do, we do need you to jump into some places. There's, there's some opportunities. There'll be a place of satisfaction. We know this sense of emptiness and, and, and that no matter what we try to fill, to fill this void with, that there's never, it never satisfies this gap in our hearts. And John tells us that in the middle of the city will be the, the, the tree of life and it'll bear crops 12, 12 months. It'll, it'll bear those crops, yield those crops and the leaves will be for the healing of the nation. Listen, he says that he's gonna satisfy everything that has, our souls have longed to be satisfied with. It's going to bring healing to our brokenness. And what sin can never satisfy, it leaves us empty. God says, I'm going to satisfy you with in heaven for eternity. It'll be a place of friendship and family. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this one and I'm going to give you, well, dead coming. It'll be a place of friendship and family. Life in heaven will be marked by friendship and family. And most of us, our friends and our family may have been the highest highs in our lives, and they're also some of the lowest lows. And I know that you know what I'm talking about, that sometimes friends and family can be those, they bring the greatest joy, but they can also bring the greatest sorrow. And David says in, in Psalm 130, 133 verse 1, he says, How good and pleasant when God's people live together in unity. And some of you have those relationships where maybe you don't get to see them very often, but as soon as you get to be around each other, it just clicks automatically. 
heaven. Maybe you were with the family and, and just automatically you haven't seen each other in a minute. And as soon as you're there, it's like you've just picked up where you left off. And there's no problems between you. There's nothing. There's no issues. Heaven. All of those things that keep us from growing in relationship, they're gone. So now we get to actually know each other the way that we, we really want to be known. What keeps me from opening up to, to folks, I don't have to hide anymore. I can open up because I've been made perfect and holy. I'm living the life that God's created me to live with other people who he's created to live there. So we get to be friends without the, the issues of do you like me? And I don't know if I fit in here, but all that. Friends and family. I know this is one of those questions that haunts us a lot of times. So I want you to hear this from, from one pastor. He says this, that will we know family members in heaven? Absolutely. You will know them better than you ever knew them in life. How? Hallelujah. But you will also know everyone in heaven better than you knew any of your closest friends here and friends and family members here on earth. If your great grandparents knew Jesus, then you will get to know them too. And, you, and, you won't, and they will not seem old to you and you will not seem young to them. Will you get to see that sweet baby that died in your womb or as a newborn? Absolutely. You will know him or her in the fullness of their vitality. Jesus took children into his arms and received them and blessed them. And he still does that today. When King David has lost his infant son, he said, I cannot return. He cannot return to me, but I can go to him. Certainly there may be individuals that we wish we knew better in life, but time and different things keep us from that. But, but, in, but in this life, in this life, sin has kept us. Our hearts want to isolate. We're shy. We're, we're drawn. We're afraid of hurting people or being hurt by them. But in, that, but in this life, excuse me, in, the, in this life, there's multitudes of people. And, and some of y'all may roll your eyes at this. There's multitudes of people who are annoying and obnoxious. I didn't say it, this pastor said. And the thought of spending eternity with them gives you the willies. <laughs> Amen. But imagine when you're transformed to be like Jesus and so are they. And in the life that was really life, you get to know them intimately. And, those, and you have close relationships with them and family and people that even today you don't even know. And those things that maybe rub you the wrong way with this person when we're transformed. And, and honestly, forget, don't forget that you also may rub them the wrong way. That when all of that is taken away, there's unity. How good and lovely is it when the people of God dwell in unity, in peace and in harmony. It's life that is life. It's swallowed up in life. In 1 Corinthians, if you, that's the next one. Uh, it tells us that, that it'll swallow up in life. It's the life that we were created to live uh, and to experience. It's the real life. It is indeed life. And the last one is this, that, it's, it, that our life in heaven will be marked with life in Christ. It's life that is life because it's life with Christ. Charles Spurgeon said this, that we, there, cannot, there cannot be heaven without Christ. He is the sum total of, of bliss, the foundation from which heaven flows, the elements of which heaven is composed. Christ is heaven and heaven is Christ. Oh, to think of heaven without Christ, it is the same thing as thinking of hell. 
we will see his face. We will see Jesus face to face and the deepest yearnings for acceptance and intimacy in our lives will be fulfilled in heaven. No matter what joys and sorrows our relationships in this life have brought us, they will be overshadowed by the powerful love relationship that we receive when we see him face to face. As great as all these things are that we covered, as great as they are, they are only great because Jesus is there. If you are excited about heaven, but it, has, it doesn't include Jesus, then you're not excited about heaven. You're excited about something that may look like heaven, but it is not heaven because heaven is life with Jesus. Truly what our hearts long for is life forever with him. And that's what he's promised us. If you want to fill in these last two, it says, what, what, why does it matter what heaven is like. And because it, scripture encourages us to think about this. It matters because scripture encourages us to think about us and, 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 and what we do now matters for eternity. And, and it's wise to be prepared to know where you're going. And the last is this, that what does it mean to be prepared? And as the band comes back, we're going to sing just one song, just kind of a time of response and just give us a, a second just to respond to these things through song, maybe you desire to, to talk to somebody about what it means to have a relationship with Christ. You need somebody to pray with you. We'd love for you to take that time and connect with somebody on our prayer team who will be in the back of the room at the end of the service, or during this time and at the end of the service. But for two reasons, there's two things that we, we can do uh, to prepare, or two things that we can do. For those of you who are believers in Christ, you can spend time in God's word reflecting on the promises that he has. Spend time with him in his word. Spend time with his people in worship as we share our praise. Spend time with his people in community as we share our lives. Spend time with his people in service as we share our gifts and talents. Spend time with his people in mission as we share the gospel. We spend time with him and with his people. And that's, one of, also, that's how we grow and we prepare ourselves for eternity. If you don't know Jesus Christ, this is not meant to be a lecture. Hopefully what it does is it ignites and it awakens inside of your heart this, the, the reality that what you've longed for is found in the person and the work of Jesus. And he desires to prepare you for the place that he's prepared for you. And your response is to put your faith in him. To recognize that you are in need of a savior and he is that savior and he's invited you into relationship with him. And so if that's where you are and you want to have a conversation about that next step, just talk to somebody about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. I would love for you to talk to one of our prayer team members who are in the back of the room during this song and at the end of the service. You can hear all of these things, but if you miss the fact that you have to receive, you have to take that invitation, receive that invitation, put your faith in Jesus, you'll learn a lot about heaven and it will be awesome, but it will be, it will be out of your reach because we only reach it when we prepare by putting our faith in Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you're doing and the fact that you have invited us into relationship with you. And I pray that you would move in this place, ignite in us a longing, a deeper longing to be with you in the place that you have prepared for us and awaken our souls so that we come to you and fall on our faces before you and trust you for salvation. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. 
Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you want to learn more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.